I don't know how many of you have read the book of Leviticus as uh, in the congregation. Um, as a child, my father used to put me to bed and he used to tell me a Bible story and he would pray with me. And there developed a, a, a special attachment to God as my father. So, and as I grew up, I many a time attempted to read the Bible. I'll just start in Genesis, love some of the stories, and I'll work my way. Exodus was okay. And then Leviticus, I used to get lost. I think like, and I did this over and over again, and again tried and failed and tried and failed. Then I felt the strong urge as a 16-year-old to go and read the Bible through. So I said, whether I understand it or not, I'm going to read it through, cover to cover. And so what I did is, in order not to be disturbed, I went to school two hours early, before anybody else got to class. I took my Bible with me and read till the first bell went for us to gather together. So that was my first attempt. And since then, I have spent a lot of time reading the Bible systematically over the years from cover to cover. And uh, I have fallen in love with the book of Leviticus too. You might think like, oh, it's, it's so many things that's been spoken which is so foreign to our culture, etc., etc. But actually, today what I'm going to do is, you know, the Bible that Jesus read was the Old Testament, the, the Tanakh. So, you know, I just thought, and particularly I want to touch one particular scripture before I go any further. Um, Jesus, when he rose again, not all his disciples met the resurrected Christ immediately. There was two of them on the road to Emmaus, and they were walking and talking, and walking and talking. At the same time, they were talking about all those things they had, they had ex heard and experienced, and how they believed that Jesus was the Messiah, and he had died, and, and they were just, frankly, a bit confused, disillusioned. It was during that time Jesus, the resurrected Christ, comes and walks alongside his disciples on that road and he begins to, um, in Luke chapter 24, verses 25 to 27, it says, uh, in the Aramaic Bible, it says, O deficient of mind, slow of heart, believe in all things that the prophets have spoken. So what was Jesus referring to? The prophets have spoken. He's referring to the whole entity of the Old Testament. And then he, he began at Moses and he worked his way through the scriptures to show that the Christ must suffer these things. And, and after that, they continued on the journey and the disciples had reached their destination and they being truly Middle Eastern and Jewish, they were welcoming. They said, you must stay with us. You must have some food with us. You walked with us. You talked with us. Come and eat with us. And Jesus went into their house and as they were eating bread, he took bread and he broke it. In the act of him breaking that bread, the Bible says, their eyes were opened that Jesus, this man who was walking with them, is the resurrected Christ. So the disciples wrote like, weren't our hearts strangely uh, uh, warmed as this man spoke to us, Jesus spoke to us. So the key things there is, 
He opened the scriptures, he opened their hearts, he opened their eyes. He opened the scriptures, he opened their hearts, and he opened their eyes to the resurrected Christ. So that is why I love preaching from the Bible, because I'm opening the scriptures. As I open the scriptures, I believe the Holy Spirit of God will open people's hearts and open people's eyes to see Christ. So, on another part of this reading, when you read this, you've heard words like you'll be cut off and all this sort of thing. Maybe some of you, it frightened the pants off you. I'll give you one scripture from Colossians, Apostle Paul, who was a rabbi, trained under Hillel. He says this, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you on the questions of food, drink, with regard to festival, new moon, Sabbath. These are shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So the key to interpret the scriptures is through Christ. Okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So what God did is God wanted to save his people. Okay. Now I'm going to give you a quick overview of what Claire read from Leviticus 23. Fasten your seatbelts. Let's travel. Leviticus in one line is be holy as I'm holy. God is completely otherly. He's unlike anyone else. He's incomparable, unfathomable. You can't know God except God reveal himself. And God chose to reveal himself to Noah. God chose to reveal himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then through Moses, he instituted the first covenant to the children of Israel. And now he's holy. He's saying basically, be holy as I'm holy. He's saying, be like me. That's what he's saying. Be different from all the other people because I have set my eyes upon you. I have chosen you. I'm looking at you with favor. I'm looking at you with grace. You shall be my people and I shall be your God. So one of the ways in which he can make these people different to remind them as well, to give them a sense of identity is to give them certain feasts and festivals. One was a weekly one, that's the Sabbath. And this, on this particular day, when, you, when, when they celebrated the Sabbath, they're acknowledging that God created the heavens and the earth. He created me. In six days he created, on the seventh day he rested. You're proclaiming that. Okay. Then you had the seven festivals, and Claire read them beautifully without losing concentration. Okay. When you look at these uh, seven festivals, it starts with Passover. It happens in the spring. If, if you're in the northern hemisphere, if you're in the southern hemisphere, it's you know, winter or something, I don't know what, uh, what it's in Australia or South Africa. But here in the northern hemisphere, it's springtime. And uh, it marks... They're remembering, what are they marking? They're marking how God delivered the children of Israel from the most oppressive regime where they were slaves 
under the Pharaoh and he brought them out. In order to prepare them for that, we, we know the ten plagues and things like that. Go and read Exodus if you don't know it. Go and read it. That's your homework. So one of the things that God asked Moses to tell the children of Israel was to take a lamb, a lamb without blemish, on the first day of that month and keep it for two weeks. On the 14th day, they had to kill this lamb and take some of the blood and smear it on the doorposts and the lentils of their house. They had to eat that lamb, roast lamb, with bitter herbs. And they had to eat it as they were going on a journey with staff and hem, belt, bang, and eat quickly with unleavened bread. Just going to quickly take those symbols and just break it up for you. You know what was one of the titles of Jesus that John the Baptist called him? Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Okay. What happened to the children of Israel? God was going to judge the nation of Egypt who were oppressing his people. And when he came to judge them, he said, when I see the sign of this blood, I will pass over you. The judgment passed over his people and what, now I'm going to just give you, I'm going to make an attempt to preach Christ from Leviticus 23 if you want. Jesus is that sinless lamb, a lamb without blemish, whose blood was shed. And when God judges the world, when he sees the blood, what will he do? Judgment will pass over his people because they are standing in the household where a sacrificial lamb was slain on their behalf. Okay, point number one. Let's go to the next feast. The next feast is the feast of the unleavened bread. They ate unleavened bread. Unleavened bread is kind of a symbol of, of free of leaven, free of leaven, free of sin if you like. If you, if you have got Jewish friends, which I do, and when they celebrate the Passover festival, they would uh, search the house to see if there's any leaven, get rid of all the yeast. They don't want any kind of that puffed up self. They get rid of it. So when this festival, the second festival happened, it was, a, it was a time for us to remember Jesus is your unleavened bread. What did Jesus say when he was speaking to his disciples? Take, eat, eat my flesh. He was not being a cannibal. He was, David, this was Jewish audience, so they knew what he was talking about. You, you need to partake of this unleavened bread. Again, the length of time, those, that seven days of that festival, the unleavened bread is beautiful because... Again, he created the world in six days, you, seventh day you enter the rest. In Christ Jesus, you enter your rest. So in one sense, if you ask me when is Sabbath day, I'm already in my Sabbath day. Every day is Sabbath for me. Because I've entered into rest. I'm not striving anymore, asking God to forgive my sin because he has done it. Because a lamb was slain and his blood avails for me. The next festival. Let's go the first fruits. You know when the first fruits happened? On the third day, that is 14th was the Passover, 15th was the 
unleavened bread, it carried on for Sunday. So the 17th was the, the first fruits. When did Jesus rise again? On the third day, on the day of the first fruits. Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, he says, Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection. When you say there's a first fruit, there is a, another one to come. When we will be raised from the dead. We'll come to that in a moment. So, so that festival was observed when the children of Israel went into the promised land. They started cultivation and they harvested their field and they brought the first fruits. They waved it before God and saying, thank you God for giving, bringing us into the promised land. Thank you for the thing. So, in, you know, when we, when we encourage people to give some of your resources to God, your time, your talent and your treasure. So when, you know, like, for example, some, some of the people in this church practice tithing. What are you doing? You're saying, I'm bringing the tenth. I'm bringing the first fruit. God, thank you for bringing me into a place of plenty. Here's my thank you. And you're bringing it joyfully as an act of worship. It's not like, oh, I don't know. Let's see that I got some coins. God is not, I mean, friends, let me say something. When you give an offering to God, don't give God your leftovers. He doesn't, he's not standing there saying, spare change, spare change. Give him the best. Give him the first fruit, give him the 10th, give him, go for it. And if you think like you don't want to be legalistic, give 11%, 12%, 13%. Check your hearts. Besides that, let's go a little bit further. So the next, then they counted seven weeks. If you're, oh, it's called the counting of the Omer, counting of the measures. Seven weeks they counted and, and on the 50th day was the Feast of the Pentecost. What were the Jewish people going to celebrate on that day? That was the day they received the Torah. How many people died on that day in the rebellion? 3,000 folks died. On the day of Pentecost when the Shavuot, the Feast of Shavuot came, what happened in the New Testament? The Holy Spirit of God was poured out upon His church. How many people were added to the church that day? 3,000. In one sense, is it possible to keep the, all the 613 laws? Apostle Paul says, if you've broken one, you've broken all. I can't tell the police officer, you know, I just ran. I kept 150 signals I've observed. Only this one I just went over. He gives me three points on the license. You get the picture? You break one, you've broken all. So the only way that you could go is you need atonement. You need forgiveness. We'll come to that in a moment. When you look at the picture of the, the tabernacle in the Old Testament, go back and read that. You know, it's again quite challenging, but if you can, in, right in the heart of it is the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies is is. Is the, is the throne of God, a symbol of the throne of God. The Ark of the Covenant, inside which is the Torah. Torah is like, if you like, it's like your marriage covenant between Israel and God. You, you know, yesterday we had a wedding here and I asked them that, will you forsake all else and take this one and will you be faithful to this person? And the person said, I do. This is the terms of the covenant, those ten commandments, where those, that, that, is, that is in the Ark of the Covenant. On top of it is something called what? Mercy seat. Even in the Old Testament, one thing God wanted the children of Israel to know is, I am a merciful God 
And he said to Moses, I will show mercy to whomever I want to show mercy. I'm, I'm, I'm a Gentile. And he decided to show me mercy. So I'm so grateful. I was outside the commonwealth of Israel. Now I'm part of the commonwealth of Israel. I have mercy. I've received mercy. I've received grace. I've been forgiven. My slate's been wiped clean. In the picture. So, though all those festivals happen during the, the spring and summertime, and then we go to the autumn festivals. You've got four of them. The first one is the Feast of the Trumpets. You might be thinking, what's it all about? In, if you have your family with your Hebrew friends or Jewish friends, you got it's called the Rosh Hashanah. Ahead of the year, it was a time you're blowing the trumpets. It it marked. It happened in the first of Tishri, and it, you know it marked what was happening is a time of introspection and repentance. You're just kind of taking stock of your life because a new era is going to come. I'm going to stop a moment and say, you know, Apostle Paul said. With the blowing of the trumpets, the Messiah will return. Giving you something to think about. So, before the Messiah returns, you should have your life sorted. The only way you can get your life sorted is by accepting the Messiah, not, not denying him or, or trying to think like, oh, now I can keep a whole set of rules and I'm better than the Messiah. No, 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 no. Not at all. You can't. Okay, next festival, let's jump to the next one. It's Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. It happened on the 10th day of that 7th month. And during that particular time, what they did was they spent that day self-effacing and fasting and praying and asking God because it, it was a day that God was bringing to account, holding people to account, if you like. If you're doing, doing the time of the tabernacles or the temple, when the temple existed, uh, or the worship in the temple happened, uh, during that day, the high priest, the one who would be wearing their fold, and he's got, the, he's got that on his mitre saying, holiness unto God. He's got the 12 tribes on the chest piece. He's got the 12 tribes on his thing. He's carrying them on his heart and he's carrying their burden on their shoulders and he's going before the presence of God. Once a year he goes into the Holy of Holies and he goes in with the blood of the Lamb and he goes and sprinkles the blood on the mercy seat. He's saying, God be merciful to the children of Israel. God be merciful to them carrying their burdens. Okay. It's a picture. What did Jesus do for you? He's the Christ. He atoned for your sins. He has gone and paid before the Holy God with his blood. That's why Apostle Peter talks about the sprinkling of the blood. You might think, what does all the sprinkling business? It is he's actually saying, he has paid for you. He has paid for me. Now we can look at the letter to the Hebrews and say, now I can come boldly with confidence before the God's throne and obtain grace and mercy at a time of need. You can go and say, Abba, Daddy. I mean, I know in our world not all of us have had good 
parenting or you don't, didn't have fathers who were kind to you. But I, my dad's my best friend. All I just say is, pick up the phone and say, Dad. He says, yes, Alex. How can I help? I got a picture when I'm going to pray. I just go and say, Abba, oh, Daddy. Say, yes. How can I help? So I enter God's presence not with trepidation. I enter with reverence. He's my God, yet he's my Father. I go with confidence. You know, we have the picture. I mean, Claire and I have a funny story. You know, we, see, we tell a story about a, a little Indian girl who, her name is Keecha. Her dad was a big, some big wig in the civil service. And he had this, this is during the Brit, time of the Brits, yeah? So he had his turban and all this big pen and big desk and everything else. People used to go and stand like this before the, this uh, civil servant. The daughter who will come, she'll come and be, put her head through the door. Hmm? And he, he is busy doing something. He looks up and he, he looks up and he stops and he says, puts his pen down, looks and says, Kicha, come here. And she climbs on his lap. He's, he's busy, but he's got time to have his Kicha on his lap. I want you to know God is like that. He's, he, woman, you put it sit on my lap. What can I do for you? Can you get a picture? Jesus is atoned for your sins. The next bit, next festival I'm going to quickly go to is uh, Sukkot or the Feast of uh, Tabernacles. Actually today is the eighth day or the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Hence speaking this in case you're wondering why am I speaking on, on the feast. The Jewish people celebrated the fact that when they were set free, they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. And you know what God said? He wanted, they all camped. You know, the 12 tribes camped, and right in the middle of the camp, what was there? The tabernacle of God. So God is basically saying, I want to be in the midst of my people. I don't want to be in the outskirts. I want to be right in the heart, in the thick of it. I want to be the heart and the thick of your life. I want to be your God. I want to be active. I want to be... Of course, when God is in the heart of your life, then there's certain changes that will happen in your life. You can't just approach anyhow. So that's what all the rules are about. And so when this happens, today, uh, my friends in Israel, what they do is, they, they, last week they were living in a circle, I hope it didn't rain, but you know, if it did, they, they went indoors. And they stayed in a temporary dwelling for this period of time, knowing that they, they tabernacled under God. I just want to ask you a question. Do you know God wants to tabernacle with us? Leviticus, I mean, sorry, Revelation chapter 21 what it says behold the tabernacle of God is with man wow so the first four festivals we looked at were referring to the if you like 
it happened in his first coming. He died at the Passover. He is the unleavened bread. He rose again at the first fruits. He poured out the Holy Spirit at the Feast of Pentecost. Now, this, these three talk about the coming, the second coming of the Messiah. They're going to be a trumpet sound. The Messiah is going to come. He's going to judge the world and, and take his own. And we are going to tabernacle with him forever. In Revelation chapter 19, it talks about putting Satan and hell in the lake of fire. And he says in chapter 21, he says, I will wipe away every tear. There will be no more pain, no more death. I will be your God and you will be my people. We have begun that journey. I'm going to invite you, folks, if you've not begun that journey, begin your journey. God is for you. Okay? He chose Abraham and he said, in his seed, the earth will be, the tribes of the, the nations of the earth will be blessed. And that seed today I'm, I'm, I'm bringing across is that seed I'm talking of is Christ the Messiah. Of course, there's one big thing, that stumbling block. Because, the, like, the, like the disciples also thought about it, is the fact that they had a, a picture of the Messiah who would be political, who would vanquish the Romans and establish the throne of David, and his government will go on forever, which is going to be the case in the future. In Zechariah, you've got two pictures of the king. One is the king of peace, the other the king of war. Do you know that Jesus, we, sometimes we kind of stress so much as Jesus is meek and mild. Do you know he is going to be the warrior and the judge? He's going to vanquish his foes by the word of his mouth in the book of Revelation? You know, Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, don't fear the, the adversary, the devil who can kill only your body, but fear God who's able to kill both body and soul in hell. Whoa, there you are. There are two sides of Yeshua, the Messiah, or Jesus the Christ, two sides. One is your Savior, but he's also the judge of the world. He loves you. And you're here today, you might think you're here because someone invited you, maybe this is a, is a place of habit. No, you come here because God has urged you and he wants to communicate this one truth with you. I love you and I've placed my seal upon you and I have done everything that's needed for you to be saved. What did Jesus do? He became your substitute. He faced the wrath of God. He was cut off. He cried, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? He was there so that through his stripes, our relationship with God might be healed. Hallelujah. So how do I begin now? You might say, like, if you were, like, if you were in the Jewish audience on the day of Pentecost, brothers, what must I do to be saved? Or the Philippian jail, what must I do to repent and believe the gospel? What is repent? I'm going to give you three words. Do you want to know what repent is? First one is reckon. Recognize your sin. You're a sinner. Number one, first R. Reckon or recognize. Number two, have remorse. A godly sorrow. God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. 
I'm so sorry, messed up. I'm so sorry, God. I'm so far away. Remorse. And then resolve. God, I, I change in my heart. I'm making you a turn. I'm going to think differently. I've tried to be righteous before you, and I've failed. This morning, I'm returning to you, maker of heaven and earth. Thank you for sending Jesus the Christ. I'm putting my trust in you that I might be saved. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Father, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to expound from the scriptures. Even as I have opened the scriptures, there's, there's where I stop. This is where you open hearts and you open eyes. And I'm, I'm aware that salvation is a process and a journey for many. And many, like me, I didn't understand it the first time I heard, or the second time I heard, or the third time I heard. I ask that you will make yourself known. And you will pursue them. And make that revelation to come about. That you love them with the everlasting love. And you made all the provision that's necessary for them to be saved. Lord, I ask that in the years to come, even in eternity, we will have the joy of knowing and meeting these people who are trophies of grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are to stand with Christ.